Hello, and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater Podcast. My name is Tim. You're listening to episode 23, and I'm very happy to have you here. Today we're going to be talking about crybabies in gaming, mainly. But we're also going to talk about the game's not mattering. It's not the game that matters. It's the motion of the ocean. I know that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to ramble my way towards it. Have some faith. We'll talk soon. And with that, let's start the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this episode of the ICT podcast is up to snuff. I'm quite pleased to see the response in terms of listenership to the podcast over the last few days. It's really spiked for some reason, and I don't know what I did, but y'all have listened to it, and I appreciate that a lot. It means a ton. And this sort of thing, I don't take very lightly. I take a, a lot of pride and I I feel a lot, uh, I guess a big sense of responsibility around this podcast. I think that they're very important to kind of get thoughts across and organize what you're thinking. And for me, doing this kind of a podcast is a bit of catharsis for me. I don't really have a ton of creative outlets. I mean, I have quite a few now. I, I do live streams three times a day, uh, three times a week, not three times a day, three times a week. Plus I make content for, uh, for retro fizz. So I do press start to watch, which is straight gameplay. Uh, I get sent gameplay from our various people, mostly from Lucy, who is super duper awesome. And I compile that into a video for retrofiz, uh, adding an intro and outro, doing some some work on the title, doing crossfades, and trimming out some of the some of the gross in the videos, meaning long pauses or hiccups or emulation problems, etc. And I'm also working on two podcasts: this one and the retrofiz podcast, as well as a new show called Fan Fiction Theater, which we are actually uh, debuting tomorrow, as of this airing, which will be. Uh, or as of this recording, April 9th, 2019. I'm very excited about it. I'm very proud of it. It is uh, it is a show where I take a fan fiction uh, from a long time ago, say 2001 to 2008, uh, written around a game, and I read it seriously. I give voices to the characters, etc., etc. It's a very interesting concept, and I'm very happy to execute on it and kind of kind of grow it and develop it into something unique and different. Usually the episodes are very short, about five to ten minutes. Uh, some will be shorter than that. It'll be very interesting to see how that pans out, but I'm very excited to execute on this idea. I got the first episode done and in the bag uh, just last week, and I'll be recording another one or two this upcoming Wednesday, so I'm very, I'm actually thrilled about it, because the first episode is this, is this Halo fanfic, and before people get kind of upset about me doing fan fiction in such a way, I know that it's somebody's expression, somebody's art. While the overall intent is meant to poke fun at it, 
kind of my end goal is to to bring these these fan fictions to light and just kind of kind of give them that that parody effect that kind of masterpiece theater effect where we we give it a serious few minutes we read through it and kind of make make it a fun event even if it's poorly written or a definite product of its time and that's kind of the goal these these fi- these fictions have been kind of abandoned and they're made with characters that the author doesn't own anyways so there's really not i don't think a whole lot of legality around it i think i th- i feel like it falls under fair use but we'll have to see how that that pans out in the long run if that changes we can always investigate that uh, and go from there and get get the appropriate permissions. But as it stands right now, I've I've done a little research on it. It looks like we're in the clear. But that said, it's it's a very fun show, and I think that you guys will really dig it. it it's it's definitely worth a, a good laugh. And I I I misread all the or I read all the misspellings, etc. Uh, to give it kind of that that feel of yeah, this is a story that's being woven in a way, but it's also the delivery in kind of a silly way too while still having that nice serious air about it. So I wanted to do something new and fresh. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for. So I, I hope you all like it that, like I said, that it be used this, this Tuesday, it'll actually be on our YouTube, which will be uh, yt.retrofiz.tv. If you want to go check that out and give that a subscribe, um, all of these ICT podcasts are also available in video form there. And then if you check out the Mixer live stream, which is soon to be Twitch, DLive, YouTube, etc., uh, you can go check that out uh, on those appropriate channels uh, and give us some love there and check them out live. Um, there's a schedule on retrofiz.tv that you can check of what's coming up in the next 24 hours. Uh, and usually the ICT podcast is in there at some point uh, at least for, for some kind of a chunk. So hopefully you'll... Uh, be able to catch the video if not uh, on YouTube or whatever, but feel free to go check it out. And if you listen on audio, that helps a ton. Uh, mainly because if you're listening on audio, a you get it, you get it early. You get it, I think, like a solid week early from the video version, which I know dates things a little bit. So hi, video people, but um, you, this is a little later. If you want something super current, go check that out. Go check out the the podcast on Anchor.fm/ICT. Uh, but those of you that are listening to in, in audio form, you guys are listening to the latest and greatest uh, before it hits the video airwaves. Um, and a big chunk of that is because I can add the, the sponsored segments to help raise some funds with what I'm doing. And um, honestly, uh, if you want to do this sort of thing full time, you got to kind of charge for it, right? And I, I'm kind of I'm stopping myself a little bit here, but... I I kind of went off on a tangent that I didn't necessarily agree with there, so I actually have kind of cut this video, this episode, this audio a little bit uh, because I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of, of thoughts that I just kind of blabbed out without really having them thoroughly thought out, and they, it came across as really, like, not how I wanted. So I'm backtracking a bit, so you'll have to forgive the the jump in audio and video, etc. And uh, looking looking much more specifically at creating content you gotta you gotta make money off of it at some point in time if you want to do it as a full-time venture um in one way or another and that's kind of what i was aiming at i went off on this big tangent about uh content creating and consuming content without paying for it and it all came across as if you don't pay for content you're you're a mooch and that's not what i'm getting at that's not what i'm getting at in my head and i i didn't want that to come across as the the viewpoint of the the episode. So I'm, I'm kind of backpedaling here. So forgive me because I'm trying to get my thoughts out 
without coming across sounding like a jerk. So, <laughs> because some people can't afford it, some people have too many obligations monetarily to be able to afford it. Like, support comes in many ways, uh, whether it be tweeting out, whether it be watching a stream, whether it be engaging in chat, whether it be um, giving money directly, subscribing, becoming a Patreon, uh, Patreon patron. Um, it, it comes in many forms, right? It's not all monetary. I think the important thing that I want to get across from my head is that it is important to support your creators in however way you can. And I know that sounds like shill for the creator. I don't necessarily want you to go out to other streamers and be like, this stream is the best stream. Go check them out rather than this stream, etc. I'm mainly looking for an understanding that support comes in many ways. It's not just hitting a follow button. And I know this sounds bad, but you'll hear it said from many streamers, follows ultimately are meaningless. They're a metric that is used by some out-of-date companies to kind of gauge the size of a stream, but ultimately follows are meaningless. That's why you've seen this big upswing of follow for follow and this like really weird like thirst for follows from people. And it follows are becoming less and less a metric that are important. The, the important metric isn't follows, it's viewership, it's engagement, it's community size and involvement. And you'll see some of the bigger streamers have very little community, but have a ton of engagement. And that, you know, that's, that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you look at those at those streams and their their communities are kind of weak, they're, they're they're actually very small communities at the core. They tend to have issues with making transitions from one game to another. Generally, the game that they're playing is what their community is based around. So if they stop playing game X, the viewers move on to another streamer who is playing game X and not necessarily stay for the streamer that they were there for initially. And that's a problem with single game streaming, but to kind of circle back around to support, it's really important to be a part of the community of the stream and to contribute in meaningful ways that is, it doesn't have to be monetary, but monetary helps. But if you can help a streamer grow and bring in people who do help support monetarily, that also is a huge deal as a content creator who is not full-time, who is so thirsty for it. Cause I am, I'm so thirsty to go full-time. You don't understand how badly I want to go full-time. I'm really just, I really would like to go full-time. And the only way that I will ever be able to do that is by the support of my viewership. And again, I'm not putting all the monetary need on them because, again, my community is a decent size. We probably have about 75 to 100 in and out active people, meaning that spread out over three streams over 20 hours a week, you'll probably see all 100 of them throughout the weekend at some point. Whether they stay the whole time or not is a different story, but they usually show up to say hi at least at some point, which is amazing and fantastic. If all 100 of those people stayed and watched my stream consistently, the viewership would skyrocket by virtue of having more people in the stream just to be there. So, if, if you're following me, my, my point is, is that the best way to support is not just monetarily, but by just being there, having the stream open, leaving it open, engaging in chat every once in a while, hitting the follow button, which I know some people do, is a gesture of goodwill and it's very appreciated. But ultimately that metric only counts for so much. 
that metric is very rarely used nowadays by companies to gauge the quality of a stream because they're so easily gamed. You can buy follows from a company in China that will go and hit your follow button 400 times with 400 different accounts. So it is a bit of, it's a bit obnoxious because follows used to be a bit more of an important metric because they used to be all organic. But now that we've gotten into this follow for follow culture and this real thirst to grow uh, inorganically and just to be famous, it's really had a negative impact. And those people that just want to be famous, we call cloud chasers. And those are folks that are, are literally looking to either latch on to a bigger streamer or get big through whatever means possible. They don't, they don't have any interest in building a community or building a real meaningful content source. They, they are desperate just to get big and be famous and be the next ninja. They want some of that streamer money. And that's kind of my that's kind of my bane a little bit. It's it's very antithetical to me, and uh, it's very hard for me to quantify how disgusted that sort of thing makes me feel because I absolutely adore playing games with my community and with my friends, and a lot of my community I would consider friends, and. The fun is in having a laugh, goofing around on games maybe that I've not seen or games that I haven't played in a long time or just having a good time playing a game with my community on, online or something. And it's very frustrating to me to see people that are like follow for follow all over the place because there's a real distinct lack of a desire to make anything worthwhile. And it cheapens the experience for the rest of us, if that makes any sense. Follow for follow is probably the most damaging thing that we've done to content creation outside of course of the blatant racism that people like PewDiePie and uh and other other large streamers have wrought upon the streaming and content creation uh, spectrum uh outside of that follow for follow is probably one of the more damaging things because it shows an absolute disregard for any of the artistry involved in creating content because yeah people like like ninja I personally am not a big fan of their content but they are still putting a lot of time and effort into their craft. Like if you watch Ninja from today compared to Ninja from yesteryear before he made the big shift to including more kids and being more family friendly, uh, it takes a lot of effort to tone down yourself and your content as much as he has done. And while I don't necessarily agree it, agree with it or even, like I said, consume his content, there is still a very strong, uh, a very strong, level of a very strong level of craft that goes into producing the content he produces it takes a lot of calm to deliver to deliver the kind of content he does he he's very zen about it if i if i may say so he 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 tends to be able to really rein in his language and not react which he has the patience of a saint in that regard. So it's pretty interesting. It's a very interesting thing. So um, I think uh, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about how much effort goes into growing a stream, especially nowadays, and it's very difficult. And that's kind of a topic that I'd like to talk about in the future would be would be a, how to you know how how to grow a stream and how growing a stream has changed in the last four years, and it has changed a lot in the last four years. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and it's been quite interesting. But with that said, we're going to jump to our first uh, sponsored break. And we will be back very shortly. Thank you very much for your patience. And uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. 
Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening to that. So I've been writing a lot of blog posts lately, and my latest blog post that's coming out this Wednesday, which, again, dating this episode, but I don't care. You can't stop me. I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, episode, or uh, this episode. April 10th, episode 10th. That episode is not a month, Tim. That said, April 10th is when this is coming. This blog post is going to release. I've got it scheduled to, to drop at 8 a.m. on April the 10th. 8 a.m. Eastern time, for those who are wondering. And um, it is it is titled, The PC Master Race Has a Lot of Entitled Crybabies. So that should tell you a lot. It's a bit abrasive, uh, and I know it sounds a little clickbaity, but I'll go with it. The reason being is because it's true. And I'm going to talk about it here before the, the, the blog post comes out, but I'll just air my thoughts, and you can read them in a more coherent fashion in the blog post if you wish. But we'll, we'll go over it kind of as a rough overline here, and I'll dive into to my overall thoughts on the thing. So the background on this is Steam. Uh, Steam fanboys have been review bombing games that are going exclusive on the Epic Store. And the reason that I even use the term crybabies is because that's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of people who are reacting to a rather smart business move made by Epic Games and the publishers uh, uh, to grow the Epic Games Store. And the people who, for some godforsaken reason, love Steam have jumped all over this and are like freaking out about games going exclusive to the Epic Games Store. What I don't understand is the absolute outrage here. It's Steam. Steam has been a bit of a cesspool for games for a good while now, probably the last like five years. It's been a pretty bad place for games in general. Valve has really enabled users to manipulate and control what games become popular in a lot of ways. And I'm not giving them full credit. Like some games are just popular, but some indie games would never have been a thing or at least nearly as popular if they didn't have the weird systems that they have in place on steam, like uh, for an unmoderated forum with no paid staff moderation, only, only run by the game developer for game developers forums, steam communities, which again, no real moderation without reporting. And even then it's, it's, it's a crapshoot whether they even look at it. And then there's, there's the review system, which I think ultimately is a bit, it's a little bit crap. I'm not a big fan of the review system. It It's very easily gamed. It's very, very easily manipulated. But those are used to control the flow of what games are seen and what games are popular on the platform. And what drives me nuts here is that they have taken to attacking games published by the same publisher on Steam. For example, Borderlands 3. Borderlands 3 is announced to be a six-month exclusive to Epic Games. Uh, and that's a pretty powerful statement from both Gearbox and uh, Epic Games Store. It's saying, hey, we have the clout to pull this game developer in, th- this publisher in, and they are going to publish their games on our platform. And it's 2K games. And that that is a huge move because Steam 
doesn't have it has exclusives but nothing that they've paid for or worked for it's games that released only on steam because there was there's not a lot of other options out there right not a they're the only real person that's ever really stepped up to fight steam is origin and that's barely even anything unfortunately i do like origin we're not going there though we're not going to talk about that we're talking about steam specifically so finally epic Games steps up to the plate They've got the money, they've got the technology, they've got the infrastructure. They can do this. They can make a store that competes with Steam and breaks into their monopoly. And that's the big problem right now is in PC gaming, there's really only one store to go to to buy your games. Outside of things like itch.io or GOG, Origin, that sort of thing. Those are all smaller kind of splinter stores that don't have near the variety or breadth or depth that the Steam store does. So finally, we have a competitor who seems interested in actually dethroning Valve and Steam from the the digital games marketplace monolith. And I'm actually really excited for that. The problem is, is that people seem to, for some reason, hate the Epic Games Store. They say that it's it's clunky and it's 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 not slick enough, etc. And there are some valid criticisms to be had there, and that's fine. Valid criticism is valid criticism. It's important to criticize something when it sucks. But there's a difference between constructive and non-constructive criticism or feedback. And almost all of the feedback has been non-constructive, including up to conspiracy theory-level BS about Chinese spyware because the company Tencent invests in them. Tencent also invests in Blizzard. Uh, The... the mental gymnastics people go through to justify either racism or uh, uh, absolute fear-mongering is insanity to me. I mean, looking at Tencent's reputation, it's not the world's best reputation, but they also don't have any control over the Epic Games Store. They have like a 40% share, whereas the controlling share is held by the CEO. So Tencent ultimately has no real say in how they design their store. They could leverage some of that if they really wanted to, but ultimately, it's still Epic Games' choice whether they, whether they have uh, how they approach the design of their store. But that said, yes, there are valid criticisms to levy at the Epic Games store, but the Steam store is no better. It's a clunky, bloated, ancient UI full of tabs, hidden content locations, and weird systems that nobody really cares that much about or very few people do things like badges and trading cards like i like them i think they're fun and i i actually have some badges and trading cards and and level up through it but i only do that because it's just something to do with all these stupid trading cards you get from playing the games and i think ultimately it's some of these weird systems are just totally unnecessary if that went away i wouldn't care it doesn't hurt anything if they stop making it so that i could use trading cards or purchase them or sell them or, you know, give them to friends. Who really cares? What is the value in that outside of garnering extra money for Valve? Especially considering they have like an online store where you can sell those trading cards. You can sell in-game items, which again, in-game inventories in the launcher is such a weird concept to me. It's so far and above. It's just a weird choice. And all of these things really like add up to make a really confusing and strange experience, especially when you have communities on top of that, forums, community hubs, Steam reviews, review groups, 
blah, blah, blah. It's all this really bizarre, like, mishmash of community forward stuff that's not really moderated or controlled in any way. So it's pretty much just becomes a big mob. Uh, groups of mob mentality people. So when people dislike something, when a small minority of people dislike something, they leverage every tool at their disposal to completely slander and try to destroy something that they once praised and loved. It's really bizarre. It's such a weird fanboy cult kind of situation. It's a store. Y'all, it is a store. At the end of the day, they're trying to get your money. They don't care about you. They care about what money you're giving them. And the same thing is about can be said about the Epic Store. At least Epic isn't making any bones about it. Steam has generated this really weird concept of community that isn't really a community. Just because you go to a community hub of a place and then you start railing against a choice that the company or developer has made, you're not really contributing helpfully to that community. If you if you just start, the review bombing consists mainly of two ASCII middle fingers being pointed at the viewer, and it says "F you take two or something along those lines because of their dislike for what Borderlands Two and uh, T- Take Two Interactive have done. So, mind-bogglingly enough, that doesn't help. That's not constructive, and that doesn't improve anything. And I see people saying, "Oh, well, that's just me exercising my voice. Oh, people are exercising their voice." You're not exercising your voice if you're not saying anything. You gotta get your point across in a way that makes sense that people can act on. To say, I don't like that they're going exclusive doesn't help. Why don't you like it going exclusive? What is the problem with exclusivity in today's game marketplace? Launchers like Battle.net are exclusive marketplaces for Blizzard's games on the internet. World of Warcraft, Overwatch, uh, Diablo 3, all of those are run through Battle.net as a launcher. They are exclusives. They are there specifically for Blizzard users and purchasers. I've never seen anyone freak out at them for it. Maybe they did. Maybe I, I haven't seen it, but I was there when the Battle.net launcher came out. I wasn't a big fan of having another launcher, but it wasn't the end of the world, and the footprint overall ain't that bad. Same could be said about Origin. There's a lot of exclusives there. You can only get The Sims 4 there. You can only get Battlefield uh, Battlefield 1 and Battlefield... Uh, what is the newest one? Battlefield 2? Battlefield... Oh, no, it's not Battlefield 2. Uh, the latest Battlefield. God, I'm, I'm losing my mind today. Uh, the latest Battlefield. Uh, Apex Legends. Games like that you can only get on the Origin launcher. I don't see the hullabaloo about it. Epic comes out, makes some smart moves to grow their brand and do something to help break the ice with consumers and get people maybe to look at their store seriously. And these fanboys, these outspoken minority fanboys, lose their minds. They lose it. And they say, oh, you're ruining PC gaming. PC gaming is going to be dead because you're splitting games off into places. And it's like there's no introspection or even looking at what's already out there. Rather than being analytical and critical of the actual valid issues with the the Epic Games launcher, there's all this hubbub about lies, in fact, about Chinese spyware and the fact that they're they're killing gaming or whatever. And I mean, I have problems with the Epic Games Store. I think it it it's lacking in a lot of areas. But I honestly like the simplicity. I feel like Steam is a bloated mess. There's just so much crap there, and it's very confusing. It is not an easy place to get involved with, especially if you're new. And 
I, I don't know. I just feel like Epic Game Store is has a long way to go. It's new, but let's be real. People hated Steam when it first came out. It introduced DRM to the masses. A lot of games were very hard to like that required you to install Steam. Was it was very hard to install them and get them going because not a lot of people had fast internet back then. Two thousand three, I think, is when Steam first hit the hit the computer. Excuse me, people. People have really lost sight of the history there. There was this real disgust about Steam in general, and. Steam was the bane of PC gamers' existence, and now we're 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 defending Steam and treating it as if it's some kind of a, a, a an idol to be worshipped, a benevolent god, this big happy company that's going to protect us and give us these games. Valve doesn't give a crap about us, and I don't say that from a a, a jaded cynical point of view. I'm saying that from a business point of view. Yeah, customer ha- satisfaction is important, but they've put stuff in place where they can just say, oh, well, if you don't like this, then you can tell the developer yourself, and then they're hands-off, and they, they make their money. They get their money off of you without having to do any real work. And that's that's why I don't understand the whole charge to defend Valve here. Is it, It's a bit crazy pants cuckoo. It really is. It makes very little sense to me in the long run. The user interface for for Steam is is a hot mess. It's just it's tabs and then buried links and then more buried links and then more buried links. At the very least, the Epic Games Launcher you can kind of dig through it and you've got these big beautiful tiles with images, etc. It's kind of easy to look for what you're looking for. And there's no reviews from users. And I know that sounds like counterintuitive, but I really don't like the user review system on Steam. I kind of got into it with a few people, and not, not necessarily like like fisticuffs got into it but i was i was pretty i was pretty disappointed with the the points of view that a lot of people people shared in in our discussions where it was oh well consumers should have a voice yeah consumers should be able to voice what they think about a game but when you have people that come in and totally ruin that for everybody when they start bombing reviews when they start saying a game is crap because of a totally different game is coming out on a different platform as an exclusive it becomes petty and it makes us all look like stooges and it totally undermines the value of people who make serious reviews and actually review things in a very analytical and meaningful way. And there, there are those out there, but then if you go and read steam reviews, you'll see a myriad of them that say something along the lines of 10 out of 10 liked the skin on character three. It's, it's stupid. It makes no sense. And um, it's not, helpful. It doesn't help inform purchasing decisions. So when review bombs come around, a bunch of people just hit thumbs down and post something along the lines of hate the fact that they're going to be exclusive on Borderlands 3 on Epic Game Store or FU Epic Games. And again, you're you're trying to punish a game that's already out that's actually pretty decent that you you probably would have given a positive review for any other day of the week. But you're you're knocking it now because you don't like the decision made by the publisher on a game that's not released yet. The level of idiocy that goes on in these review bombs is mind-boggling. And it it's really hard for me to articulate how frustrated it makes me feel. I it makes me a little ragey to be totally honest. And like that rage 
hasn't manifested in a long time because I used to be, I used to be for the last few, you know, six months to a year, I've been fairly zen about everything, but we've gotten to a point where this, this shock outrage freak out culture has taken over gaming and it's, it's hip. And this is, this is something that actually that uh, Kevin Hart said, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he said the, the, the negativity is a big deal right now. It's, it's, it's what's cool. It's what you do, you know? And so you could be talking about something you like, and then someone comes out of nowhere and says, Oh, that thing, that thing's crap. That sucks. And you're like, why? And they're like, cause it's, it just is, it just, it just sucks. And then someone else will come in and be like, yeah, that thing sucks. What are we talking about? And like that right there is exactly what the review bombing is. People freaking out and making statements that they don't even know what statement they're making. They just want to be in on the cool kids club, the being different group. And that's always kind of been a thing in high school. I remember that it was to be different. You, you wore trip pants and you had belts and you know, you gothed out or, you know, you were a raver or you were just, you were different. You were, you were part of a group that set you apart from the rest of the normal kids and the people in those groups would use normie unironically. I hate that word because anytime somebody uses it in a sentence, especially nowadays, is totally disconnected from reality and has no idea what normal is. But that said, we'll 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 backtrack here. <laughs> we'll backpedal a minute and we'll we'll just talk about specifically that uh, being different is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. But being negative to be different is the bad thing. And that's what people do nowadays. And Kevin Hart nailed it on the head. And I, I think that he is absolutely correct. When you say that thing sucks and you tear it down and you, you write YouTube comments, and you, it, just, it takes no effort to be negative, right? It takes effort to be positive. These people will use their time and energy to tear things down. Rather than taking the extra step they they take what miserable existence and negativity that they have and funnel that into trying to be a cudgel to beat people over the head with their point of view. And that's, I think, the frustration level. I think that's kind of where I'm coming from with it and where I just see this, this, this it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to feed into negativity. And that's what's popular right now. And I know that that's kind of a weird word, but kids eat it up. That's just what kids do. And they want to be part of the cool kids. And they see, they see 17, 18, 19, all the way up to like 24 year olds, some older, but I would say that's the average age group being super negative. And the little kids, they just latch onto that because they're like, notice me senpai. And there's that whole notice me thing going on where they want to be noticed by their peers, by their, by their superiors and by their peers. And they want to be seen as cool. It's about fitting in. And the psychology behind it is, is that's how it's always been, right? Like I'm no psychologist, but that's how it's always been. You want to fit in, especially when you're a little kid, when you're a young one and you want to be part of the in crowd, you want to feel included. You it's that tribalism at work, right? That, that gatekeeping comes from that tribalism and that tribalism right now is the negativity, the negativity culture, the, the shock outrage culture, be mad about everything, be negative about everything because nothing is worth lifting up. And it gets to a point where people want to stop creating shit and you're the one who ruined it. That's part of the problem that's, that's coming up. <sighs> 
Okay. I got that off my chest. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to jump to uh, another break, and then we'll wrap up the show. I know a little bit shorter this time. I appreciate your patience. I had a lot more on it, but I just I felt like, like I said, when I was talking about um, uh, supporting content creators and the like, it came off as a little douchey, and I didn't want that. So I backpedaled, uh, and I, I appreciate your, your patience and understanding with that, and uh, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you very much for listening to our lovely sponsor. And, you know, I, I've i decided, and I'll just touch on this before before we, we head off, because I've gone all over the place and I've not talked about any of the stuff that I said at the top of the show. So sorry. Uh, I, I, well, I did talk about uh, uh, Valve and the Epic Game Store and all that crap, but uh, I wanted to kind of touch base on my thoughts and what I'm doing right now. So if you follow me on Twitter, which I hope you do, insert coin Tim on Twitter, please hit that follow button because we'd love to love to see you. Um, I'm avoiding utilizing Twitter for discussion, uh, for any meaningful discussion from here on out, at least discussion initiated by me. Here's my problem with Twitter. There's no nuance. You say something, you try to get a point across, and then people jump all over it. And they don't give you time to think. There's a lot of reactionary baiting going on there. And uh, people intentionally take things out of context or um, uh, assume or put put context into things that you didn't say or, or things that don't even make sense in the context of what you're saying. And that, that happened to me recently and just kind of really turned me off of that. So I've decided that I'm going to stick to blog posts for most of what I say in my podcast as well. So if you have anything you want to add, like feel free to DM me. Uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. But I don't necessarily think I'll engage too terribly much if you have a point of view on some things. Uh, I appreciate it, but... Um, I just I don't know if it's worth my time anymore to try to get things across on Twitter. I feel like, and I know that sounds awfully close-minded, and some people will be like, "Oh, you're just you're just silencing any critics," and not not really. Like, if somebody wants to criticize and give me like actual feedback, please be my guest. I would like to see it, and I'll 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 take it under advisement and and see if I can improve to to match what your ideal is. If not, I won't. If I don't see that as as meaningful or, or worthwhile and of my time. But that said, um, I just don't feel like there's anything to be gained about um, in Twitter uh, conversations, much like with Facebook conversations. People are just too quick to knee-jerk and react, and uh, they want to have the hot take. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into details or specifics about um, recent conversations, but uh, it was it was a bit frustrating uh, to deal with it the way that I had to deal with it, and it honestly stressed me out more than it should have. So I think I'll just stick to posting my opinions on a blog and saying them on a podcast. And if you disagree or you hate my opinions, sorry. Uh, I'm uh, most most of what I say I've tried to research and I have some info behind. And sometimes things get labeled as opinion that aren't up for debate. So I don't know. I I've, I don't know. I've it's hard for me to kind of articulate what I'm trying to say here without sounding like I don't want to hear from you because I do. I'm just very, very frustrated overall with dealing with, I don't know, people's, people's negativity and, uh, desire to jump on other people's viewpoints, whether they mean to actually have discussion. Like, like I think my biggest problem is that the, there's a lack of a desire to hear both sides. It's a, I'm going to say what I'm going to say my piece and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna listen to me, and it's not 
I want to change your mind on this. It's a, this is what I have to say about it. And uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And I don't know. I, I just, it's very hard to have any kind of real discussion when that kind of static fills the air because then you get people that dogpile, you get other people who jump in on discussion points that aren't welcome to. Um, and you get people, it's a lot of like call out culture and people, people being super negative. Like I, I ended up blocking a guy because of, uh, because of call out culture. He, he was just like, Oh, you said this and, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. And just like, just totally like out of no, in a totally different thread an unrelated thread and, and pretty much, uh, pretty much was just being kind of a, a dick about it. So, I don't. I don't really want to be involved too terribly much with with the the discussion on Twitter. Um, but I do still want to hear from you. So please let me know what you think, um, your thoughts, and if you can articulate them in a way that means for discussion and you are willing to listen to other people. I'm more than willing to listen. Um, but you got to make sure that what you're saying makes sense because if somebody doesn't understand you, you lose a lot of uh, context and nuance in your discussion tactics and also just make sure you're not moving goalposts uh don't don't fall into logical fallacies because that's i think the biggest pet peeve i have with it is there was a lot of logical fallacies in the situation that i'm talking about and it was very frustrating because the 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 goalposts kept moving all over the place and it was just very hard for me to stick to one topic and when the goalposts are moving around you just kind of go this isn't even we're talking about anymore like we're 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 in another football field at this point and it's very frustrating and that that's a big part of uh the nuance i'm talking about is that people people don't stay on topic and people don't stay focused they just want to like say their piece and they have a thousand things they want to say but they don't know how to articulate it and that's fine it's it's okay to not be able to do that but like think about what you're saying before you say it and I think that's really important because, I don't know, is what it is. And also let people have their say on their on their Twitter Twitter feeds. Like if you disagree with something, F and move on. If you really disagree, block and move on or mute and move on. Like, eh, eh. I, I don't understand the need to jump in on every conversation and be like, no, nah, you're wrong. This is how it is. And it's like, come on now. Like, that doesn't make you a very interesting person. You're, you're that dude at the party. You're that magic kid who keeps going, well, actually... I would like to say that you should use um, uh, that land and tap that land and use that ability. Or, or in Yu-Gi-Oh. Actually, if you use Blue Eyes White Dragon, you'd win. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of stuff. It drives me nuts. It's, it's, don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Just, you know, have make it lively or don't make it at all. Right? I don't know. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Encircling Theater. <laughs> all right, let's wrap up the show. The ICT Podcast is produced by me, Tim. Encircoin Theater is more than just a podcast. It is live streams three days a week on weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at Mixer.com slash Encircoin Theater. Above that, it's also a vibrant and inclusive community at Discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the Encircoin Theater Patreon page at Patreon.com slash ICT. I want to give a huge thanks to Andy B, who is our arcade level, arcade master level supporter. Man, I always stumble there. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it very much. And our three other Patreon supporters for help keeping the podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring new listeners and the podcast will help and that will help the podcast grow in a meaningful way. 
I'm having trouble with my spiel today, guys. I'm really sorry. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or you wish to connect with me, please visit me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim, on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. And my Discord DMs are always open. DM me at insertcointheater, all one word, hashtag 6969. The podcast intro is created by the supremely talented Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. And you can check out his music at abstractionmusic.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.